From the Gert Boyle Studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Earlier this month, scientists in Oregon announced that they'd found what are believed to be the world's first fossilized prehistoric grasshopper eggs. The tiny eggs, a clutch of more than 50 of them, were actually found back in 2012 at the Sheep Rock unit of the John Day Fossil Beds National Monument. But they were misidentified at first, and it was not until recently that CT scans revealed the truth. A grasshopper laid them nearly 30 million years ago. Nick Famoso is the paleontology program manager and curator at the John Day Fossil Beds National Monument. He joins us now. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, it's nice to be uh... Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, how were these eggs first found? Yeah, so when the eggs were first found, they're, you know, what we usually do in the field is we kind of go out onto a landscape and we look for whatever's on the surface, right? We're not, you know, digging a quarry trying to find new things. Uh, so our collections manager here, uh, Chris Shirup, was out walking out on this particular outcrop and saw a little hand-sized boulder, I guess, or rock that was kind of hanging out on the surface, picks it up and says, whoa, those are those little weird white things that we find, and there's a bunch of them here. This seems important. And so he picked it up, wrapped it up in some toilet paper, and then <laughs> brought it back. Toilet to paper is a f- official archaeology paper? <laughs> no, it's... it's 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 really common in paleontology to use just plain old like single or double ply toilet paper to help protect our fossils huh. when we bring it back. It's better than you think. Um, but uh, so then we bring it back here to the visitor center about seven miles away, and it just kind of sat there in collections for a couple of years until we finally got it cataloged and started doing some research on it. Is that common to to have things you find just sit on shelves for some number of years before um, you can actually take it out and and really investigate it? Unfortunately, that's that's the truth. Uh, it does take a long time to get the things. It's much easier to collect fossils than it is to clean them up and get them ready to do research. Uh, Like our fossil preparator does a lot of work cleaning them up. Not in this particular case, but yeah, I mean, that's a really common thing. I've been working for museums that have things sitting in collections for over 100 years. Um, So it's just, you know, it's a thing that happens. So often I'm reminded, I think I mentioned this in the show before, but of the scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where there's this entire adventure, and then the last thing is it just gets wheeled to this enormous warehouse, you know, like a like a Walmart distribution center, and it, where, you know, there it's good because people aren't going to get their faces melted. But it's right. it's amazing to, th- to think just how much stuff it has already been found, and, and we are waiting to find out what, what magic it holds. C- can you describe what this actually looks like? Yeah, so the fossil itself, um, so it's sitting in a green, greenish brown, sandy, clayish rock, right? And it's about, like I was saying, like maybe about the size of a grapefruit, right, is the whole rock itself. And on the very top of it, there's a tiny pedestal sticking out of it that maybe sticks up about an inch. And in that little pedestal are, what you can see on the surface, are about 20-ish little white grasshopper eggs, fossilized grasshopper eggs. Now those eggs, I oftentimes joke and say they look like Tic Tacs or rice grains or something like that. Um, Cause that's, I mean, they're pure white for the most part, uh, most of the time. And they're just all arranged in this, you know, maybe two diameter inch, uh, two inch diameter area in this radial pattern, right? And they're all just kind of laid out there in really good shape. And yeah, it's just, you know, 
you just kind of look at it and you don't really know what it is at first. And then when you start to think about it, you see all these little spherical, you know, elliptical structures in there. It's just really cool. Hmm. Do you remember when you saw the eggs for the first time? Yeah, I do. Um, so I, I was working with my collections manager and I took a look at the specimen. Uh, cause he, had, you know, he was just about to catalog it and was really, you know, thought it was really cool. And I came in and looked as like, wow, that's that's really bizarre. And we had previously identified all these as ant eggs or ant pupa or something like that when we found them in isolation. But when we found this cluster, I was like, I don't know if that's really what these are. Uh, so then I kind of had this drive and and whatever to say, I got to figure out what these things are, right? I'm a, you know, I've been a scientist for most of my life, you know, as a, you know, so I have a love of trying to figure this sort of thing out. So I just kind of inspired me to try to work on this as much as I could. My understanding is that you are um, really an expert in ancient horses as opposed to, you know, ancient invertebrates or grasshoppers. So who did you turn to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I ended up reaching out to, actually, I had a, a colleague of mine from UC Berkeley reach out to me about doing a field trip up here a couple of years ago. Um, and he, because he's a new professor and wanted to bring a bunch of students up, and he brought a student up uh, named Jamin Lee, and he was a, still is, a PhD student down there at Berkeley. And he was working on plants and had some interest in insects. Turns out that people who study fossil plants also kind of study fossil insects. Um, and he looked at this with me and he said, you know, I think that this is a really cool thing. And I said, oh, well, would you be interested in helping me work on it? And he said, absolutely. And so then we started collaborating together on this project and, you know, we got a lot of good work done. Um, and then, of course, we brought it to U of O, and that was and that was a big, big help to using their micro CT scanner down there at the uh, at the Knight campus. And the the scans that um, their CT tech Angela, who's a co-author, also did for us, just came out amazing, and we learned so much about the specimens from those scans. How do you distinguish? Uh almost 30 million year old grasshopper egg from a, a you know a fossilized ant egg right so it's really you know most things in paleontology you joke and you say well just cuz it looks that way right and to some extent in a more scientific way uh, that is kind of true you know when you when we looked at these the size of the of these particular eggs is almost double what most ants produce um, and you might think oh well maybe it was just a big ant um, you know and Climate indicators suggest that it was pretty similar to today, so you know maybe that wasn't really the case. But really, what was the nail in the coffin uh, were the the overall shape of them being a little bit more elliptical and curved, and that is something that is characteristic of modern grasshopper eggs that lay their eggs underground. Huh. That actually, I mean, that that's another surprise to me, though, um, that that you could rely on modern day grasshoppers in other words they they evolution has been that evolutionary changes have been slow enough that that you can assume that they're relatively similar yeah you know and you know things like this probably evolved multiple times in different groups thing called convergent evolution um so it's entirely possible that you know this is you know a different lineage than what's alive today but we see the body plan of grasshoppers, modern grasshoppers, going back over 300 million years. 
Um, so, I mean, it's an effective body plan and it's an effective egg laying strategy. And, you know, nature just kind of keeps coming back to this a few times over a few times over the last 300 million years. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of cool that we can see that happen. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the recent announcement from the John Day fossil beds that it is the site of the first fossilized grasshopper eggs ever discovered. What is the significance of that to you, that that no one had ever found fossilized grasshopper eggs anywhere? Right. I mean, once we figured that out, and particularly once we figured out that we had an egg pod that we could learn something about, it just it blew my mind, right? I mean, that's there's so much that we can learn about that, right? The evolution of these animals and their behavior and their ecology, particularly at that stage in life, being an egg instead of as an adult, like that's virtually unheard of, you know? And that's that was something that when I realized that, especially when we were digging through the literature as much as we could and we just couldn't find anything that was definitively even close to this it just i just realized like wow like this is this is really important and significant and it has such implications for the entire like even the modern entomology right like knowing that wow this behavior goes back 30 at least 30 million years is is just baffling and amazing hmm. What does it mean that these eggs were found at the John Day fossil beds? Right. I mean, part of the reason why we're a national monument is because we have an extraordinarily long fossil record from the age of mammals and the fact that we have such a, a amazing preservation rate and type of preservation that we get in these layers. And a lot of that's because of the volcanic activity that we see from all over the region. So that includes down by the Nevada border, uh, over in the Cascades and other places that you know don't even exist anymore. So it's just speaks to the significance of the fossil beds themselves, of the rock layers that we have out here in this part of Oregon. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just it's just such a cool place with so much amazing diversity and types of fossils. What would it have taken for these eggs to become fossils as opposed to just decomposing, I mean, let alone getting you know eaten by a bug or something. But let's let's assume that they were going to not get eaten. But how do they not just you know dissolve? Right. Yeah. You know, and that and that is such and that is what makes us even more spectacular. Right. The 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 odds against this are so high. Right. You have to have a rapid burial with no oxygen in the environment. That way, bacteria can't thrive to start eating away at whatever it is. You know, whatever organic material is there. Um, usually, hard parts are more likely to fossilize because they're already partially inorganic anyway. Right. Our bones are. And our teeth are mostly uh, inorganic stuff anyway, so that's why we find so much of that. Uh, even the exoskeletons of insects are more likely to preserve for a similar reason. Um, so you have also need to have a place where there's no, not a lot of high energy, like from a stream or a, you know. So usually lake beds are really good, and that's what's really bizarre about is. this environment is that this is the sort of sediment you would see next to a creek or a river or something that would have flooded, right? So it was obviously buried low enough that they didn't get swept away by a flood event. Um, and it was quick enough that it was able to completely cover 
those areas and keep all the oxygen and other things out from trying to eat away at these. Now, the organic matter did eventually uh, transition into inorganic matter as water came through and changed the chemical structure of everything and left little geode-like structures that are, in fact, what we see now as the eggs. Um, but the likelihood of that happening is probably a you know a tenth of a percent or a hundredth of a percent likelihood to happen. Hmm. How much do we know about what these grasshoppers would have been like? All you have, it seems, are the eggs. How much can you piece together from them? Right. I mean, you know, there's not a lot that we can tell about the adult other than by comparing it to modern equivalents, right? And there is a species of, I think it's a, a, a rice grasshopper that is known from the Indian subcontinent. Um, but that animal is, the adults are maybe four to seven inches long, depending if they're male or female. So, I mean, they're not massive insects, but they're bigger than most of the ones that we typically see here. Um, but it's totally modern size because uh, totally normal for modern size. And those eggs are spot on the same size as, as those particular ones. And the way that they laid the eggs is almost identical to the way that those particular insects laid their eggs. So the idea is... Well, they look the most like that one. Therefore, you know, the simplest answer is they're probably a lot like that particular species. Hmm. How much do we know about what the land where these were found would have been like when they were laid? Um, now it's, you know, it's not that far from Kimberly or Spray or Dayville. What was that like 29 million years ago? Right. So we do know from a lot of other lines of evidence that this was a hard uh, hardwood forest with occasional clearings and openings, not very meadowish yet. Um, but these were more, you know, more like a New England sort of style trees from that sort of forest. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it was kind of a little warmer than now, more stable environment, uh, you know, but the soil had to have been moist enough to allow for these insects to be able to lay their eggs in that sediment. So we know that it was a little bit more moist and a little bit warmer than probably, and probably more consistent um, from from this time of year into summer uh, than what we see now. Uh, there's definitely worse seasons back then, but probably not as hard of changes as we see now. But yeah, you know, and definitely a lot of rivers and streams and creeks kind of crisscrossing this, this old forest 29, 30 million years ago. Hmm. These eggs were named after a man named Benjamin Ladd, who was the first superintendent of the John Day Fossil Beds National Monument when it became a national monument. I understand that you met him for at least a little bit close to the end of his life. What was he like? Yeah, so Ben was an outstanding human being. He was always very kind, um, and he, you know, he loved this park. Right, he was a superintendent here from 1975 until about 1993, um, and he still lived in the in the area locally um, up, up until he passed away in 2017. And I started here in 2016, and Ben frequently would come in. And just see how the new staff were doing, right? He'd just, you know, come back to my office and he'd say, hey, Nick, how's it going? You know, how are you liking the new job? How are all these things going? And he, you know, he had a very personable way of approaching us and all of the program managers, especially, and the new superintendents that had come 
since he had retired. And just in general, he was you know, a very kind person and did a really good job to build a lot of relationships out here in Eastern Oregon with a lot of the local agencies and the local landowners. And now the first grasshopper eggs are named after the first superintendent. That's right. Before we say goodbye, how does a find like this uh, tantalize you about what else is out there? Right. I mean, we we never know what's out there. I mean, that's why we have a mandate here, uh, you know, an internal mandate to go out and preserve those paleontological resources and check on them and consistently monitor uh, and inventory all of these sites that we have in the park, because you never know. Every site that you have is just as likely to produce something rare as any other. Uh, so we, we never know. I mean, since I've, I mean, I personally haven't found anything this exciting since I've been here, but, you know, in the last decade and a half, there's been first this, you know, first weasel, first fisher, first whatever, you know, first hooved carnivore found in this region, in this, this side of the Rocky Mountains, almost every couple of years there's a new paper coming out describing those sorts of things and you just never know what's what's hiding out there and that's why getting out and you know collecting everything the right way and the proper way um, as professional scientists is so important nick thanks very much you're welcome thank you nick famoso is the paleontology program manager and curator at the john day fossil beds national monument